When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Out to Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 104.9 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Started up, that's your Wednesday on B&E. Plenty of golf conversation, obviously, and business dealing conversation. Yes, the Michael Scott paper company argument and uh, parallel being portrayed uh, in the Live Golf. Uh, but there's also the idea, Mike, that Live Golf was, I keep saying, the vehicle to yesterday. You know, whether it was because the Saudis knew that, you know, the idea of the Saudi-funded money by just buying the PGA Tour would not be really palatable to a lot of people, and now it's it's presented as a merger between golf leagues. Well, does, was the live golf was the live tour actually really a league? I mean, they were getting there on this. There were no ratings. Um, it was kind of a kind of it was just it was a it was a prop. It was a vehicle to get here to create the disruption uh, used to to force the hand of the PGA Tour at this point. Uh, and you know the the, the fact that um, there there you know. The players are for, are furious on the PJ Tour, rightfully, uh, and without a doubt. And the the survivors of or the victims of nine eleven and the families, rightfully furious. Uh, and Jay Moynihan may not be able to survive this big picture. Probably shouldn't survive this. But in the end, it was inevitable that they were going to take over golf, and it was a stated stated goal of the Saudi fund. And uh, to me, Live was was more of a prop than anything else uh, to get to what we where we are today, which you know it's being it's being praised. By a lot of the biggest names in golf, including Jack Nicholas, who uh, you know gave gave full support of the move. Martin Slumber, the uh, head of the RNA, said we are pleased that an agreement has been reached, which will help men's professional golf moving forward in a collaborative, constructive, and innovative fashion. Um, Fred Ridley, the head of the of Augusta National and the Masters, uh, with a very positive statement, and uh, USGA, the head of that, also very positive. And again, maybe that's their only way to go with it, but I think. Anybody that's deep in golf, like they, those, those folks are, understand just how, how, uh, how rife the sport has been with disruption for two and a half, three years now, and this is finally an outcome. I don't think anybody, I don't think a lot of people pre- predicted this outcome, but at the same time, when you look back on it, that maybe this was where it was going to end up all along. But the fact that it's a merger of golf leagues and not the Saudi fund buying the PGA Tour. Is is more palatable than the 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 previous? I've seen a lot of responses uh, just online, just you know, in stories and stuff, quotes, you know, unnamed sources about like, why did they have to do this? The Live Golf Tour was dead in the water. They have no ratings. They're not making money. None of that was the point, right? 
you know, the Saudis didn't need to make money. They needed to cost the PGA Tour enough money and enough headaches over time to make it palatable to then take their money. And my biggest question to the players would be, what are you outraged about? Are you more outraged that now the Saudis have a real stake in your golf tour and you're going to, you know, be taking money from them? Or are you outraged that you kind of got burned and you should have had $100 million more in your bank account right now and you feel lied to? And so I I think that question and that answer is important uh, for where we move forward on the players. Because I I think for at least 50% of them, it's really just not jealousy is probably the wrong word, uh, but regret that if this was the way that this was going to go, I might as well be $200 million richer. And that's what yet to be seen uh, in my mind is in the negotiations. Because, again, the, the, the reports are the PGA Tour is going to stay in control. The controlling operator of this new merger is going to be the PGA Tour and Jay Moynihan. And that the, the Saudis just wanted to own it. <laughs> All right, that was what they were trying to get to. And now they have that. And they'll have complete, you know, they're, they're, they're the top dog, right? They're the, the only investor now, uh, which obviously brings a lot of influence. But uh, that the PGA Tour will still be able to run itself. And that's why I wonder if Moynihan was able to negotiate because he's going to have to go back to these players that turn down the money you're talking about and say, look, we got you, we cut you in on the deal with this. This is going to come your way. Those are the things we don't know yet. I have to assume for people like Rory McIlroy and others, there are concessions. And I also assume that the, the Saudis are willing to, to front that and yeah. make, oh, yeah. make everybody whole just to get what they wanted from the very beginning. Uh, but those are details that have not come out yet. And you understand the immediate outrage of, of, of players and, and frustration of players. And you're right. The ones who didn't want to play for, for you know, under under that Saudi umbrella now have to make that decision as if they're going to do it. If that if they were really standing up on moral principles and the belief in that, I don't want to take that money. Well, now they really have to decide that uh, if they want to be a professional golfer, because now it's owned by the Saudis. Hey, let's get to the other headlines, trending topics from uh, outside of this conversation. Uh, there are plenty of them. Gibeo Business Services brings it to you. College baseball, official word now from the NCAA. Longhorns and the rest of college baseball teams remaining know who they're when they're playing on Friday and Saturday in the college baseball tournament. 16 teams left, eight host sites. There are four games on Friday. That will include the Red Hot TCU Horn Frogs. They're going to host Indiana State 5 o'clock on Friday. So that, of course, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday if necessary. Uh, regional, Super Regional. Four more on Saturday, including Game 1 of the Longhorns. Best of three series at 8th-ranked Stanford. First pitch set for 5 o'clock. Game will air on ESPN2. And, of course, live right here on the Horn with a 4-45 pregame. Uh, they'll play Saturday or Sunday, of course. And then, if necessary, Monday. Those game times and start times still to be determined. We know 5 o'clock on Saturday. Texas basketball. Rodney Terry has made it official and finalized his coaching staff for the upcoming season at Texas. The uh, program confirmed the addition of Frank Haith as a lead assistant, the elevation of Steve McClain from special advisor to the head coach to assistant coach. Texas also announced Chris Ogden will serve as the program's general manager. Brandon Chappell will return for his second season on the Longhorn bench as well. Major League Baseball. Uh, amidst a, a great start, historic start to their season, terrible news yesterday for the Texas Rangers. Official word from the club that their opening day starter and prized offseason signee Jacob DeGrom will have season-ending surgery next week to repair a torn ulnar collateral ligament in his pitching elbow. And, of course, is Tommy John surgery. General Manager Chris Young said that DeGrom, um, who, the 35-year-old, the goal is a potential return at the end of next season. Uh, good news, though, without their staff base, Rangers off, as we said, to their best start in franchise history. They've won 40 of their first 60 games, including last night a 6-4 win over the St. Louis Cardinals. Marcus Simeon extended his MLB best hitting streak to 25 games. Dane Dunning 
the man who took Jacob DeGrom's spot in the starting rotation, won again. He's 5-1 and one on the year. First, uh, Second place, Astros. Dropped a game in Toronto, 5-1. to one. Kevin Gosman struck out 13 Astros last night. George Springer, Bo Bichette, and Dalton Varsho all home, homered. Round Rock lost at Salt Lake, 6-5. to five. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. All right, so uh, before we dive into our coach's corner, Mike Craven, who do you like tonight in the NBA Finals Game 3 in Miami? The shift back. Denver got uh, got stunned on uh, on Sunday night, and now this is a 1-1 series. Yeah, give me Denver. I mean, it's going to take Miami shooting 67 75% from the field in the fourth quarter to beat that team. Like, Jokic, they're just too good. I did like playing Kevin Love. Uh, to get Jimmy Butler on, on Murray, I think that helped a lot. His size and physicality hurt them because the Nuggets go through Murray. Like, Jokic is going to get you 35 and a triple-double and all that kind of stuff, but, like, historically, when the Nuggets have been really good in the postseason, it's been when Murray's good, when Murray's been healthy. Uh, they're going to have to figure out to get him a way to get him off, but, yeah, give me give me Denver in this one. Well, I think it goes through Jokic, but I think you're right that the key to them being a super team is, is Murray. I right. mean, because Jokic is Jokic. He's, he's going to get his. He's going to get his, and he's just such a great ball. They're great letting basketball. him get his. Right, and, that's, and, that's the goal. and as we've talked about, without his assists and defending everyone else, and you know, this is where we'll see with Michael Malone, how he counteracts it. And Mike Malone, the coach of Denver, who, by the way, for a long time was Mike Malone, and now he's demanding to be called Michael Malone. Would you ever go there? You're Mike Craven. Would you ever say, you know what, after all these years, I want to be Michael, Michael Craven? I went the other way. I was Michael, you know, <laughs> until like 16 or 17 and then became Mike. Okay. Um, and so I went the other way on, on that one. Uh, but yeah, the, I think the Nuggets are zero and three when Jokic scores forty or more in, right. the, in the playoffs. In these playoffs. And so uh, he needs to be more distributor, and that just comes down to Murray making shots. And you know, the Miami was great in the fourth quarter. They're not going to hit. I mean, maybe they will. They've been doing it off playoffs, I guess. But uh, it feels unlikely that they're going to hit those kind of shots all the time. And Miami's not much of a home court advantage. Well, and uh, as Michael Malone would say, we we were the reason they shot seventy percent. We didn't defend anybody in the fourth quarter. And if you want to ask what our biggest adjustment is. We got to play with defensive intensity for 48 minutes. If we do that, we're going to be fine. Because in the end, despite shooting, I mean, because gosh, the, the the Nuggets were up 15 points in that game. Nuggets were in control of that basketball game, and uh, the coach would tell you that it wasn't anything Spolster did. It was that we didn't cover anybody in the fourth quarter, left guys open, and they knocked down open shots. And uh, we got to get back to playing that good defense. I do think when they play great defense, which they they're capable of, they're going to win the series. Now, uh, Miami will have the energy tonight. South Beach, the home crowd. Uh, should be a good ball game. Ty, are you uh, leaning one direction with your wager? I'm leaning Denver minus two and a half tonight. Denver minus two and a half. Let's dive into our coach's corner at 7.15 on a busy Wednesday. Audiovisual consultations and Tom McKay, the really smart guys who never make you feel stupid. All right. Uh, we'll hear from David Pierce here coming up uh, ahead of uh, the, the big game on Saturday, the regional. To, what, a, what a run for the Longhorns here. If, got to put a big if, but if they could get to Omaha – and I know you've grown up in Central Texas, Mike. I'm sure you've been to plenty of Texas baseball games watching this program. Grew up going to Cliff Gustafson baseball camp, staying at the Cotillion. <laughs> and uh, here's a chance for them to go back. And, boy, to, to have to go through Miami, traditional blue blood who's been to the College World Series the second most times behind Texas. Stanford, they had, they maybe have to go through that brand and that team to get there. Um, you know, would be quite an accomplishment in what is supposed to be a rebuilding year for uh, for David Pierce. 
so we'll see if they can achieve that. It's a really good Stanford team that they're playing. Let's hear Coach Pierce talking about the Stanford Cardinal. Really good ball club. We saw what they did with their backs against the wall, beat A&M on back-to-back nights, beat Cal State Fullerton as part of that two-win Sunday uh, to get here. Uh, Coach Pierce knows they're, they're dealing with uh, quite the ball club. Well, all year everybody's known that they have a really good lineup. I remember back in 2003 when we played them in the national championship, um, the two out of three series, uh, the championship series, and we wouldn't even let our pitchers watch them hit. They were so good. So we just made them stay in the clubhouse and and wait till the game started. And they, they're physical, but they can run. Um, they can utilize the short game when they need it. They can drive the ball to the ballpark. Um, they're a well-rounded offense. And then you look at, I don't know why this is going on. Then you look at their their pitching, and at times people discredit their pitching because their offense is so good, but their pitching and defense is outstanding. So this is a really talented team. Um, you, you look at Quinn Matthews, and he's just this wiry kid that just competes well. It's a little quirkiness to him, but he goes up to four and, really pitches. Um, so I think that they're just going to be a team that we're going to have to attack and make them earn everything they get. Is it, if we do that, we give us our best options, our best chance of winning. Yeah, at Stanford lineup, as he mentioned, they can run, but they're powerful. They've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six hitters with 11 home runs or more. they got two guys at 18 or 17 or 18 home runs. Uh, they can really hit out of the ballpark, but they can run and they can pitch. So we'll talk more about the Longhorns uh, as we move forward. Uh, playing that David Pierce, it's a quick, good place to remind you or let you know we won't be talking to David Pierce tomorrow. Our weekly Thursday visit with Coach Pierce is going to have to be adjusted. They're, they're traveling, uh, and so he won't be able to uh, to be with us tomorrow morning. That's why he was on with Craig yesterday. That's where we pulled that audio from Craig Way's Light the Tower program from yesterday with David Pierce. Uh, in our Coach's Corner, Mike, as we mentioned, the, uh, the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, that's where you work. Um, doing doing the great stuff, the the senior writer there, and the cover person on your magazine coming out in July, the Bible of Texas football is Sonny Dykes. You wrote the cover story. What did you learn about Sonny Dykes in uh, in writing that story that maybe you didn't know? You know what what I found interesting about Sonny Dykes, and, and what I find to be interesting about Sonny Dykes in general, is how he kind of rebelled against being Spike's son. You know, I, I think we all you know have that. You know, we can understand that, right, where you kind of grow up in your dad's shadow, your grandfather's shadow, whoever a big figure is in, in your life, and you're trying to make your own path. And so, um, you know, he was a baseball player. He didn't play college football. He didn't think he was going to go into coaching. And if he did go into coaching, he wanted to be a high school coach that kind of found a place to stay, like, you know, go be the head coach at South Lake Carroll and stay there for 40 years because he moved a lot. You know, Spike moved all over the place. He had 10 different moves. So he wanted to do it different. Um, and then he got to uh, J.J. Pierce up in Fort Worth, and Navarro Junior College called him and offered him a job to be the running backs coach there uh, for $4,000 room and board, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he thought he was going to get that per month. It ended up being like the whole 10 months he got $4,000. <laughs> um, and so that's how he met Hal Mummy. He needed a job. He needed more money. And Hal Mummy was taken over uh, at Kentucky. He needed a couple of GAs. Uh, how Mummy and Spike were close, and so that's kind of how he became Mike Leach's GA, was becoming a, a GA uh, for How Mummy at Kentucky. He got put in the wide receiver room, 
there was Mike Leach and the rest is history. And so, you know, Sonny Dykes goes to Cal um, as a Mike Leach protege more than a Spike Dykes protege, and he fails because he thought it was all about system. It was all about scoring points. It was all about the air raid. Um, and his dad was more of a relationships guy, more of a culture guy. And when he got fired at Cal, I think it finally dawned on Sonny that maybe the old man knew a little bit, um, that that maybe there was a way to combine that culture piece that his dad thought was so important along with the schematic piece that Mike Leach and how Mummy thought was so important. And the result's been SMU and TCU. You know, remember at SMU, uh, I think it was 2019 off the top of my 2019 they won 10 games, you know, for the first time since the death penalty. Um, and so, you know, then you move on to TCU across the across the way in DFW there in your first year. You know, you win 13 games, go to the national championship game, beat uh, Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl and do it a, in the same month that Mike Leach passes away. And so, you know, I think it was just a man who was kind of forged by a lot of different kinds of people. You know, Spike Deitch, Mike Leach, probably the most uh different people you could find in the coaching profession and the <laughs> yes. way that they approach stuff and that. And those are the people who raised up Sonny Dykes, and he's kind of become a product of, of all of that stuff, kind of an interesting cat uh, in the coaching business. And it was a lot of fun to write the story, not only because his story is interesting, but because he cares about Dave Campbell's Texas football. Um, I've been lucky enough now to my last two covers were your Jeff Trailer and Joey McGuire last year and now Sonny Dykes this year. I don't think that there's other coaches in the state who will care as much about being on the cover as those guys because they grew up here. You know, the the former two were high school coaches who always dreamed of being on the cover. You know, Sonny's dad, Spike, was on the cover back in 1990. And when you walk into Sonny's office behind his desk, there is a picture of him holding up the Fiesta Bowl trophy, and it is set on top of five or six different Dave Campbell's magazines from the last couple of years because he uses them as reference points. Uh, it's a, I can't wait to read it. When do it hit newsstands? You know. Uh, if you're go a subscriber, live. if you go to texasfootball.com, you can subscribe and, and kind of get ahead of the curve, right, and get the uh, ahead of the curve and get get the uh, magazine late at June. Uh, if you wait for it to kind of be brick and mortar, old school, find it at you know Barnes and Nobles, H E B, and stuff. That'll probably be around July fourth. Okay, fourth of July. For the I, I did like forty two thousand words for it, so please <laughs> please be kind. the The cover story was twenty five hundred words, and then I did. Uh, every section in the magazine on the college side, uh, on the FBS side, except for Texas State. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, you know, combining culture with the the system because, you know, at, I remember when, when Sonny was at Cal, they played Texas back home and home, and one Cal won both of them. Yeah, Sonny's uh, he he won't he he likes to mention it too. He's un, <laughs> he's undefeated as a head coach against the University of Texas. I think that's a, there's a pride thing there for sure. But you know, he had Jerry Goff as his quarterback. He had Davis Webb as his quarterback there, so the system was good, but. There's also a culture clash there out going from West Texas to Berkeley, California. We know that. <laughs> he went from Ruston, Louisiana, because he was at Louisiana Tech. He was the head coach of Louisiana Tech. So he went from Ruston, Louisiana to Cal Berkeley. And he talked about how, like, people, like, the difference between nice and polite. Yeah. You know, like, in Louisiana, nobody was nice, but they were very polite. Like, say you, you know, were on broken down on the side of the road with a, with a flat tire. They'd be like, you idiot, how'd you get a flat tire? Move over. Let me fix this for you, you moron. You don't know how to do it. In California, they'd be like, man, that's so, that stinks that you have your flat tire. I'm so sorry that happened. I hope it works out for you and walks away. You know what I mean? And so I think that was a huge culture shock. And when he got fired at Cal... He ended up at TCU 2017 as an off- offensive analyst, and that wasn't a coincidence. He failed at Cal because he didn't figure out defense. 
They were one of the most scoring. I mean, they're scoring forty something points a game. Like they were, they were a top ten scoring offense. But they couldn't stop anybody. He wanted to be around a coach who knew defense. That was Gary Patterson. He hung out there for a year, figured out how to do that, how to coach that, how to make that important. And I, I think it really changed uh, the way he coaches football. He became more of a run oriented guy by hiring Rhett Lashley from the Gus Malzahn tree as his offensive coordinator at SMU. Continued that with Garrett Riley. So it's just a story about a guy who learned his lessons, who kind of thought he had it all figured out young, like we, like most of us do, uh, got humbled a little bit, and now has had the greatest success of his career. And he built a really good program at SMU, maybe maybe quietly and didn't go as noticed as some because it's not a Power 5 school, but uh, won a lot of football games there and did a heck of a job, and that landed him at, at TCU. And I remember talking to our friend Craig Flowers, uh, Colonel, retired Craig Flowers, He's a TCU alum and TCU fan and, and is tight with that program. And I, I remember talking to him about what did Sonny Dykes do that Gary Patterson wasn't doing? And how did it fall for Gary Patterson? And how did Sonny turn it so quickly? Because Sonny's become the example for every college football fan who wants their program to win year one under any coach, right? Well, look what Sonny Dykes did. He won the national championship in one year. But but, but uh, Craig said that he felt like, uh, you know, Gary – he had good players, obviously. He recruited talented players. He had just lost connection with his players. He was so busy being head coach, CEO, getting facilities built, running General. the program. Yeah, just, just the CEO of the program. He didn't. He wasn't connected to the locker room. We saw this with Mac Brown at Texas at, at times, and certainly at the end of his, his run here in Austin, where you lose connection with your program as the leader, and they don't they don't follow you because you're not you're not you're not connected to the program, uh, and the, the players and the players in that locker room and uh, Craig felt like that uh, Sonny came in and made that an immediate connection like they, he connected with the players got to know the players and then they responded to the new coaching staff and their leadership. They didn't like Gary very much at the end. Yeah, right. Because if you're not winning that 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 I mean I think Herman had the same thing at Texas right like that personality if you're winning a lot Nick Saban's great if you're losing that's gonna get on your nerves you know it's like we're we're six and six like you're not that great either why are you screaming at me you know um, and I I think coaching changes are a lot like dating. You know, if you if you're dating somebody who's like a, an outgoing extrovert, partier, fun person, and y'all break up, your next girlfriend or boyfriend's probably going to be the opposite of that. You're looking for what you didn't have or whatever. Um, and I think TCU followed that model exactly. They went from authoritative uh, defensive coach to free flowing offensive guy. You know, you weren't even as media. You weren't allowed to talk to players. You weren't even allowed to talk to assistant coaches. I mean, the only time I can remember a coordinator getting to talk to the media after a game at TCU during Gary Patterson's thing is when uh, Cumby messed up and he forced him in front of the media to take the heat, right? Like, that's the kind of guy Patterson was uh, as a head coach, especially towards the end of his tenure. Sonny Dykes got there and announced at a basketball game that fans and students and anybody who wanted to show up could come to spring practice. <laughs> you know, like, it was just in a, in a, a complete 180, not only – for the fan base, but for for the students and for the for the players, and I think that allowed them a freedom um, that that connected with this generation, and it really opened up the talent within that locker room because he did it. He did add you know six or seven impact transfers, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but for the most part, you know they went thirteen and two with a bunch of guys that Gary Patterson had gone fourteen and sixteen in the previous three seasons for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Now Sonny's got the job to rebuild it, right, because he's going to replace the best player at every position on his football team, including quarterback, and he replaces his offensive coordinator. So we shall see. They uh, have a lot of work to do, but Sonny's got that thing in a good place. Uh, the cover person on the uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine this year, that'll be out in July. Uh, we'll also talk coming on with your thoughts. Do you think Gary Patterson gets back into a head coaching spot at some point? We'll talk Texas football as well with Mike Craven, uh, all, all things college football, but obviously the Live Golf PGA Tour merger and uh, takeover 
is certainly a top conversation. We're going to talk coming up with our man Omar Uresti, lifetime Longhorn, played on the PGA Tour a long time. His thoughts uh, after absorbing what went down yesterday and the announcement early yesterday morning. Omar Uresti coming next. Hot or not for the end of the hour. It's Bucky and Aaron. Mike Craven hanging out with us this morning. Appreciate him being here with Bucky out today. He's got some appointments this morning to deal with. He'll be back tomorrow for a buck off Thursday. Talk more about that uh, Sonny Dykes, Gary Patterson conversation coming up. Also some Longhorn football with Mike Craven. Certainly while we have him, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, which will be out next month. And obviously we're talking about golf and the um, shocking news of yesterday. Uh, and, you know, there's so many angles and layers to the onion of the deal cut yesterday and the merger that was announced. But um, one of the more striking things of the, that has come out with the PGA Live merger is the Saudi Public Investment Fund. The PIF is now the exclusive investor in the new golf entity. The fund has the right of first refusal on any new investment. Uh, they're in charge. And, you know, this was why I started the conversation this morning with this was the Saudis' plan all along. They wanted to buy golf. And I think Jay Moynihan and the members of the, P, the DP World Tour pushed back against that for as long as they could. And, um, you know, as we said, I mean, the, the Saudis would have cut a check and bought it from them two, three years ago, which goes to Jack Nicholas's statement saying it's been three years of this division that we've been fighting. Most people think of it as a year, year and a half. It's been three. And the stated goal was to buy golf on, on a global basis. And now they've achieved that. And that's why I said, uh, Mike, I think the Live Tour was really just a I don't say a prop, but it was a, a vehicle to get what they wanted, which was to start pilfer players, cause as much disruption into the game as they could to force the hand. Now, Jay Moynihan's hypocrisy and Jay Moynihan's handling of this will forever be analyzed, but in the end, the Saudis were determined to buy the game, and they've now bought the game. Yeah, they want the influence. You know, they, they want the, the global influence, the, the global network, the ability to be in some rooms with some really important people uh, in business and in government and, and that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten to be in. Uh, to me, that's kind of similar to like Elon Musk, Musk buying Twitter, right? Like, you know, he liked the space. He, he spent a lot of time on the space. It wasn't about making money or not making money because he has so much of it. It was about owning it and, and being able to, to dictate the way the conversation goes and the way the message is presented. I think for the Saudis, it's the same thing. They're trying to do it in soccer. They're now trying to do it in golf. I, I would imagine it's not the last sport or space uh, they try to get themselves into in that way. Actually, I think as we've been talking, uh, there's a report out of England that, that one of the she- sheiks has uh, put in a bid to buy Manchester United Wow! Um, you know, from the Glazer family, who also owns the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so uh, this is just kind of the, the front foot of what's going to happen over this next, because they have all the money right now. Yeah, that fund is uh, worth in excess of $600 billion, and they continue to add, you know, print money by the hour uh, with the oil that's being, uh, you know, you know, barreled and sent out. Saudi's ultimate plan, of course, to dominate sports. Now, now the next step, does the DOJ, the Department of Justice, get involved? This is a huge merger. They'll have to sign off. And that's why I mentioned the mo- the show Succession. Uh, there will be DOJ oversight on this. There will be uh, the next steps. But um, get your popcorn ready for today when guys like Rory McIlroy get in front of a microphone for the first time. They're up at the Canadian two, Canadian Open in Toronto. And after a, a, a pro-am this morning, they're going to you know, have availabilities. So that should be interesting, uh, to say the least. Let's go to the, uh, the Vaqueros hotline, though, get the perspective of a man who's been on the PGA Tour. Uh, he is Austin Golf. He's our friend Omar Uresti, a lifetime Longhorn, helping us out with our tour of Texas golf courses as well. Omar, how are you? I'm doing great, Aaron. How are you guys doing this morning? 
Doing great. Now, um, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, you've been, you know, in inside of this for years now, and um, you know, watched it happen to your yeah. the game you love. What was uh, your what, what was your original thought or initial thought, and what is your thought this morning, just on the the big picture of where we were and where we're going? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I'm definitely uh, a little shocked uh, in the way things have progressed, um, as I sure... uh, Everybody is, and also not very happy. Um, you know, many guys turn down millions of dollars to go, you know, turn down to live and stay loyal to the PGA Tour. And then Monahan, uh, you know, like you said uh, earlier, it's all of a sudden he's uh, changed his mind and his morals, I guess, and is now uh, ready to take the money. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the big things is is now they don't have to worry about all the uh, lawsuits that were going on. Uh, he may have been afraid that they were going to lose the lawsuit, so uh, that might have been part of the reason. Um, the other reason is it's a lot of money to definitely to get the players, but I don't, you know, there's a lot of guys that are not happy with it. I know that. Oh, and that becomes the, the the question, right? There's no there's no golfers union, right? As far as I know, uh, they weren't no. they didn't have a seat at the table. Um, you know, the the guys like Tiger Woods, of course, and Rory McIlroy said they learned of it just like we all did. Uh, players learning of it on Twitter. Uh, I, I know as it stands right now, you know, Jay Moynihan will be in charge of the PGA Tour, and some are even suggesting he'll be kind of the the the, the second in command. Uh, but to your point and many others' point, Omar, can can he survive this? Can he stay in that role after the last year of his comments and um, you know the mistrust he's now created with his with his own his own base? Yeah, that is a good question. Um, I know the uh, I think the players' board still has to vote on it. Um, from what I read uh, yesterday, I'm not sure exactly how everything works up there. I just uh, was happy to be able to have a place to play, so I didn't keep up with the politics too much of it um i just know it uh you know it's going to be definitely interesting going forward and we'll see what happens i know a lot of guys uh, are definitely like i said are, are not happy with him at this moment and i just hope the biggest one of the biggest things i hope is that it doesn't change the pga tour tournaments and the legacy and the history of the pga tour tournaments um, I don't want to see team events on the PGA Tour myself. I am, you know, it, the PGA Tour to me is about the, you know, the the legacy that Mr. Nicholas and Hogan and Sam Snead and Arnold Palmer have built. And to, have, to do this and hopefully no team events come about because I don't believe the PGA Tour is about team events. Uh, and just your thought, Omar. I mean, obviously, as a, as a PGA pro, and um, you've know, been on that tour, the you know the, the fact that that Saudi Arabia, the Saudi public fund, now owns golf I mean, on a global level. I mean, it's arguable that that was not going to be preventable because they have so much money, and big business usually goes to the man with the most or the person with the most money. 
But uh, that also has to be a concern for the game. I mean, some are saying this could be great for the game, big picture and globally, because of all the, the income. But at the same time, where is that income coming from? Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's some people, you know, I'm sure there'll be players say, oh, hey, you know, they're they're upset with the move, but at the same time, they're going to be making uh, more money. So, unfortunately, for some of us, we're kind of past that, you know. Um, but, I mean, it's it is uh, it's kind of a catch-22. It's, um, you know, the money's a great thing, but where it's coming from may not be. Yeah, Omar Uresti with us. Uh, initial thoughts on what went down yesterday and what's to come today. Uh, Omar, the um, the players that turned down the money, uh, when we know some, some of the biggest names in golf turned down a lot to not take it. it, it I'm assuming or hopeful that Jay Moynihan negotiated something that can make those guys some, I don't want to say whole, but that there will be some concessions in this deal. I've, I've read of uh, the players who are who jump to live uh, are going to be able to apply to come back and play on the PGA Tour without any legal recourse, and that's what they were fighting, that, but they're going to have to pay a hefty fine to do so. Uh, I'm assuming there has to be an apparatus here to make some of those guys or all those guys that turn down the money uh, some money within this deal. I would think there has to be something in there for that. Um, you know, Tiger turned down supposedly like $7 billion. Uh, You know, I'm sure Rory was up there kind of close. Uh, you know, Justin Thomas was, you know, many millions of dollars as well and it's just uh it's just shocking it's hard to believe and it's uh you know the i guess can be uh like some of a lot of people are saying hypocritical it certainly is it certainly is hey omar the uh, the canadian open will be tomorrow i mean it's going to be obviously there'll be golf played and it's a, it's a big you know, big, 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 uh, big tournament in that country, the country of Canada. Then it's the U.S. Open. Beyond that, how do these guys, you know, avoid, you know, avoid being distracted and go play quality golf? I mean, there's got to, there's a lot on these guys' minds that based on what's come down. Uh, what do you expect to see this weekend and then next weekend out in Los Angeles? Um, you know, this weekend, my they they'll I think the buzz will continue next week. It, you know, the when the U.S. Open comes around, they'll they'll be focused for that and hopefully the buzz will uh, calm down so and nobody's asking a lot of questions about it because the U.S. Open is the U.S. Open. You don't want to bring all this other stuff in. The U.S. Open is not part of the PGA Tour. Right. The U.S. Open is the USGA. So hopefully they will focus on the U.S. Open and not on this. I, oh, we appreciate it. I know you got to get your get your mom's dogs to the vet this morning. We appreciate a few minutes uh, talking about it. Hope everybody's enjoying the uh, tour of Central Texas golf courses. We had a fun one at Butler Pitch and Putt just last week that we put up at our website, uh, all powered by our friends at Callahan's General Store, Charlie and the team over there. Thank you, Omar. Thank you. You guys have a good day. Uh, this says, why apply to the PGA if Liv is now the PGA? Well, again, everything everything was negotiated, and, and uh, Yasser... Al Sermon, who's now in charge of golf, in the negotiations, look, this was to, to get out of the contentious legal battles, the protracted legal battles that were going to go on, and to put the Saudis in control. That's really what, what it's about. But control will also still reign with the PGA Tour, at least the way the initial uh, agreement reads. So, yes, and, and the question is, why would they have to apply to come back? Um, because I believe the parties who negotiated, the four or five people who were in those rooms over the last seven weeks, negotiated that. Because uh, think about, I mean, he, everybody knows Tiger Woods turned down reports of $700, 800000000 million. But Tiger Woods is, is plenty rich, right? Tiger Woods has plenty of money. Uh, Tiger Ty gave a great example off the air to me to Will Zalatoris, young golfer in Dallas, right? He's been in the, in the mix for majors. He's hurt right now. 
But the report, Will Taltoris may never get healthy again with his back. Um, it may never be the same player again. He was offered $100 million to join the Live Tour and turned it down to stay loyal to the PGA Tour like so many did. That's just a small example of how do you make that guy whole? Can you make that guy whole? Uh, he did what you asked him to do, and, and I'm using him as one example of so many, but he turned it down, Mike Craven, and now he's saying, wait a second, and now I'm part of this and we're all under one umbrella. How do I get any of that money back? That I believe that had to have been negotiated or at least you know, figured out because there'll be a revolt. I mean, again, are, are golfers going to quit playing golf? I don't know. But uh, at some point, if you're Jay Monahan, you have to know that there's going to have to be some deal cut because there's a lot of money coming in here. I mean, the, the investment is upwards of $3 billion. There's money to be given out if they, they want to be fair to these players who turn down the money. What if they just get more money moving forward? I mean, well, what, what is what is the live O the guys that turn them down? Well, because the that, they're not on contracts in golf. This has always been one of the the, the, the live players were live players were given contracts. PGA Tour players win make money when they win. Yeah, so why? I mean, why should we assume that guys like Roy Roy McIlroy or Will Zalatoris Zalator should or get or will get any money at all? Because I think that had uh, that Jay, Jay Monahan would have had to make that a prime piece of the negotiation in my and, mind. And that's what really rich people do to like get their employees in line. Yeah, just give more money. Hey, yeah, it's like, hey, you missed out on all this money. We created a five hundred million dollars slush phone, and we're going to divide it amongst the players who turned down those contracts originally. Yeah, you know, and you give ten, fifteen million to each of those people, maybe some more to to guys who turned down even more money, and you, you move it on from there, and you you just hope it gets quiet. That because they're in a PR game now, yeah. right? Like they're just trying to make people happy, make this get quiet, and where we stop talking. about I'm it. very interested in what Rory is going to have to say to that. Sure, it's, me too. Those are going to be the because it's like Rory and Tiger, like the the guys who necess, don't necessarily well, need the money because they're so rich, right? But like you know, the people were talking about being hurt and needing the money. It, it'll be easier to kind of get them on board, I think, by throwing twenty well, million dollars here. There, but they all said a lot. You know, Rory right. came out. He took probably took the the hardest stance on this. Rory, I mean, sure he did, and players. he defended Jay Moynihan. That's why. I, look, whatever. If Jay Monahan's the devil, if he didn't negotiate this, and if you don't think that the Saudis can afford to pay Roy McIlroy that hundred million dollars and say because they want, they now own the tour, they want a happy Roy McIlroy, they want a robust tour, they want to grow the sport, whether we like where the money's coming from or not, and a disgruntled group of players is not a good idea. So just pay him. Just pay him. Give but him the money that they turned down. He's already talked so much about not taking the money for the right reasons. Well, How, like, that's what I'm saying. What is he going to say? Like, I'm just interested in what he's going to say. Well, that's right. Once he does You're get right that about money. That. Well, they'll couch it in. Well, now it's coming from the PGA Tour. We, we're giving you the money. but We all know where it's coming from now. Everybody's got to rectify that in their own mind because that's what Moynihan said he was fighting against, was taking the Saudi money, uh, and, and he vilified players that chose to take it. You know, he said, you know, when have you ever had to apologize for being on the PGA Tour? Well, now the whole tour is owned by that money. Yeah. So everybody either has to either have to quit golf and not play or take the money. I mean, that's really. Yeah. A lot of us would be homeless and not getting paid if we really took into account who our bosses were. That's exactly right. You know, like who the owners of the company were and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I worked at the Austin American Statesman for four years and I can't stand Gannett. Yeah. You know, like they went on strike yesterday. Or on Monday, you know, for that kind of stuff. And so, like, you know, you got to, you got to. Now, these guys are super rich, so you could say, like, they don't need that to go eat, right? They have millions of dollars. Roy could walk away and never have to have a job again and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but this is what he loves. This is his passion. He's going for something historic. He's probably been working for this since he's four or five years old. It's harder than that, right? Like, all this, there's all these contexts. Like, you read the comments, you there's context, like there's different layers that go into this. And I, I think in a vacuum, Rory would love to be like, yeah, I don't want this money. I've said all these things. I'm just going to walk away. 
But at the same time, that would be walking away from the thing he's been working for his entire life. That's a hard thing to do. We'll come back. Uh, Ty will lead us through some hot or not topics, including the uh, terrible news for the Texas Rangers. They're off to an incredible start, but the Jacob deGrom news, not a piece of good news for sure. We'll get to that coming up on b What's hot? And what's not? What's Hot, What's Not is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in Central Texas. Visit us at txortho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Yeah, Hot and Not on this Wednesday, getting you up over the hump into a busy weekend. Super Regional start Friday, NBA Finals game number three tonight in the NBA. So we've got that uh, to look forward to this evening. Obviously, a lot of golf conversation this morning. Terrible news, though, for the Texas Rangers. And I know they haven't needed them so far, but uh, when you sign a guy to a five-year deal with injury history, one offseason, then give him a truckload of money, and he's going to be out now for all of this year and all of next year. You love that, don't you? I mean, I don't, I don't love that at all. As an Astros fan? Well, I, I feel bad for Jacob deGrom. My, my friend who I've told you about who's a huge Mets fan, who watches every Mets game, Texted me as soon as the news came out and was like, "Ha ha ha!" Get like that's you what know, you I get. Feel bad for the player and the team. I mean, that's a lot I feel of money. Bad for him, yeah. And he was that. almost in tears yesterday when he's talking to. The, he wants to be out there with his ball club because they're really good. They've won forty of their first sixty games. or forty and twenty. How many times has he had Tommy John surgery? I think this is the second time he had it in twenty eleven uh, with the Mets when he was a prospect. I get uh, it as a as an athlete that breaks down all the time. I was at Austin Sports Medicine yesterday, <laughs> getting some MRI results on my knee. So it's a frustrating process. It is, and um, you know there were there were huge warning flags to sign him. But the Rangers, I, I mean, I'm an Astros fan, yes, but I, I I can I give the Ranger ownership credit for the money they've spent on that team, and then General Manager uh, Chris Young's moves, the trades he's made, the prospects they've developed. The hell of a team, and Jacob Degrom would have just made them all the better. Uh, but you know, 185 million bucks, and you may not get much return on that. Um, you know, sure, and as an Astros fan, if it gives us an advantage in the postseason, if they're both there, that would be great. Same time, you feel bad for the ball player. He'll be ready for next October. Just, well, just maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> he'll be ready. <laughs> I mean, he's 35 years old now, so by the time he's 37 is when you could project him to be back. Uh, to, to health, and you know, you're still owing him a lot of money. But uh, you know, you can't win them all. And Chris Young's made a lot of nice deals. The Nathan Eovaldi signing was huge. Eovaldi signing, uh, all the trades we've talked about. And yeah, they're they're 40 and 20, so no one's gonna cry for the Rangers. But we'll see how long, you know. And if Dane Dunning keeps pitching like he is, Ty, it's fine. Ty, what do you have for us in hot or not on this uh, Wednesday morning? Uh, I had a few options today after yesterday, kind of dropping the ball. Um, one of them is it's an older story from 2013, but I, it kind of resurfaced yesterday. Did you ever hear about Rich Eisen's dating app? Rich Eisen from NFL Network and the radio show? Yes. yes. No, I did not. So him and Nike in 2013 released a dating app for sports fans that, that links. It's supposed to look like if you're a Cowboys fan, it's supposed to like match you with Cowboys fans around yeah. the oh. nation. Oh, so you, you hot, is hot that, on that? Is, is that it, still a thing? I, I don't think it is a thing anymore. I think the issue was there's not as many female users. Wasn't that the problem on all dating apps? There's like <laughs> 80, 80, 90, 10 guys. Yeah, yeah I've, I've watched some of my my friends that are girls uh, swipe through their you know their Tinder Bumble accounts or whatever, and it's actually, it's pretty insane how many options <laughs> yeah. they have. Yeah. The, 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 like, the power, no, the power no. structure has been flipped on dating apps. <laughs> well, especially no on, doubt. on apps like Bumble where right. the girl has to hit up the guy first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 
I have a girlfriend, of course, but uh, I would I would suggest this to some of my friends that are sports. You fanatics. probably would want your significant other, if you're going that direction, to be a fan of the same teams you're a fan of. Well, it does uh, make it easier. My now. girlfriend hates all the teams that I like. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm I'm a not on this. I love the fact that mine does not care a single bit about. <laughs> she went to Kerrville Tyvee when Johnny Menzel was there, and she went to Texas Tech when they were really good. Uh, never been to a football game in her life. Not not a single one. I like that. That's right. Probably good so thing. when I go home, I never have to also argue about the things I argue online. Like she's never like Dak Prescott's so good, and I have to be <laughs> like he stinks. You know, like we never have to yeah, have that's, those conversations. That's way better than me sitting and watching a game with my girlfriend, and she's secretly rooting against me the entire. time. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. Odd. Mine's reading a book, or not even in the room usually. So mine is more like yours, Mike. That yeah, doesn't really get got other things to worry about yeah. in that realm. Uh, for sure. It's National Chocolate Ice Cream Day, if you're interested. Are you a chocolate ice cream fan, Ty? I'm a vanilla bean guy. Okay. But you, you wouldn't turn down a uh, Ro- Rocky Road, it, just not chocolate by itself. But yeah, I wouldn't turn down a love ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you're right about that. I'm with you on that. And how about this lady? Not hot on this. Woman accidentally, accidentally put super glue in her eye. Accidentally. She grabbed the, she squirted the wrong solution. Oh, that's a problem. We'll be back. Uh, more on this uh, merger in the PGA and the Live Golf. Also, more Texas baseball chatter. And then Mike Craven here, so you know we're talking Texas, some football, Texas football specifically. And I can't talk Wednesday. It's beating on the horn.